0: You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Welcome back to the Fair Game podcast, everyone. This is Fair Game number 303. And from Miller Spectacular Shows, this is Freddie Miller. Freddie, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Robert.
0: Thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I want to jump right into it. Tell us about Miller Spectacular Shows.
1: Well, we're just uh, poor old carnival boys from Arkansas is probably the easiest way to put it, uh, out uh, joining the crowd, trying to get things rolling in 2021 and make a living. Uh, I guess the for a quick recap on me, that little bit of my history, uh, I'm a fourth generation in the business. My parents just retired four years ago, and uh, so that has been an adjustment. I'm, I'm happy that my dad and my mom are not having to endure the challenges that this pandemic has caused us actually i'm thankful that there's a lot of show owners of the past that didn't have to go through this it's uh definitely one for for the ages
0: when was when was the company founded
1: uh you know i don't have all of that information i know we've got so long
0: ago you quit counting now you're so many generations in. we quit counting
1: well i'm 54 i'll be 54 in august and I've done this, of course, been at my whole life, and it goes back to my great-grandfather was actually in the food side of the business, Ooh. and then my grandfather uh, started what is, we're actually working today, and it went from, we've been through several name changes through the year, or through the years, the one thing that has maintained is the name Miller, and we're very proud of where the show is today, uh, we're a 55-ride show out of Arkansas and we've, we started in, I guess, in the early days of really a lot of just county fairs. And we've moved on now to where we still do a lot of county fairs uh, through Kentucky, Arkansas, those areas. Uh, We're very proud of this year's um, acquisition uh, to the route. We are doing both of the Illinois state fairs. No, both
0: uh, Springfield and DuCoin?
1: That's correct. We've done DuCoin for about 21 years, I believe maybe 22, this will be our first year in Springfield. And we're very excited, looking forward to working with Kevin Gordon and his crew. I went up for a meeting here about a month and a half ago, and it, was, it wasn't was intimidating by no means. They were really down-to-earth bunch of guys, and uh, they really have a strong desire to, to come back out in 2021 and just put on a record fair. And I believe a lot of our, our fair managers are that way. They're ready to show that they haven't lost it in 2020.
0: Yeah, I think we're all, we're all, you know, gunning to get back out there. Speaking of getting back out there, what's a typical route look like for you guys?
1: Well, I normally start off in Louisiana in the spring of the year, late March to early April, depending on the weather. This, this part of the country, well, we just had, believe it or not, we had snow in Arkansas yesterday. Luckily wow. not where I'm at, but, uh, it, uh, it's a little bit unpredictable still in April, but we start out usually in Louisiana. Then I run through Arkansas in late April and May. And then our route carries us through Kentucky for the months of June and July. We, uh, we do a string of County fairs that, uh, those were originally a lot of the Myers fairs that were out there before Bobby went independent. And, um, we finish from there we move into illinois we do both of the state fairs in illinois and then we move into the Semo district fair in cape Girardeau, missouri another fantastic fair a great bunch of guys i've known these guys my whole life most of them and it was great when i got the opportunity to step in and become their carnival
0: cool so you guys Uh, say real busy then in the midwest
1: yes we do we have like i said we've tightened our route uh quite a few years ago, I was going as far north as Michigan, as far southeast as Florida, and even the Bahamas. We did some work in the Bahamas with uh, uh, the Deglers, you know, quite a few years ago. Wow. And then out west, our route did carry us through Texas and into New Mexico. Yep. Uh, we had a great uh, relationship out with Roswell for the, for the Eastern New Mexico State Fair. Yep. And a great bunch of guys out there. We, we miss them. And uh, But we made some changes to our route, letting us kind of tighten things up and stay a little closer to home. And uh, I'm enjoying, I guess, for lack of better words, getting back to my roots. Yeah. We're still going to do the, the larger fairs as well. But we've been able to add in this year. I had a couple of fairs that really came on as a surprise this year uh, for 2021. And one of them was a fair that I did for many, many years. Uh, growing up most of my life and this is going to be their 100 year anniversary and they called me and said we would like to have you back and we actually took on a couple of fairs this year that took a, in order to fit in our route they had to change their dates by six weeks that's drastic for any fair i don't All care right. if it's a county fair or a state fair that's just unheard of and they really wanted to work with us and and we're enjoying the opportunity the opportunity that they've given us
0: well, we're seeing a lot of movement of dates. I mean, Miami went from March to the end of the year. Florida State Fair move, it just opened. Um, uh, it's either today or tomorrow they're opening. And so, uh, and they're literally, they're moving, they're scrambling to save their own lives because if they can push back just far enough to the point where they can get a fair in this year and their state opens, then they've got a shot. That's, so I think we're going to see, see a lot of that where, carnivals that used to be with, with one fair for, you know, 15 years, they might not be that carnival anymore. Just like we're seeing with some entertainers um, there were fairs that we couldn't get into last year because they had all their entertainment booked, And now this year they've moved their dates by, you know, two months or six weeks or four months. And it's like, well, some entertainers aren't available for those new dates. And so spots are opening up. It's just a scramble right now for who's where are things going to land. And then I think in 22, you're going to see a scramble again is, Say, all right, we're we're going back to our regular date.
1: That's it. I just seen a concert announcement today, where a good friend of mine, Brian Blair, at the York State Fair.
0: Yep, we had Brian uh, on the show.
1: Did you? Brian's a great guy, good friend of mine, and I seen where he just had one of his acts that is not going to be able to make it. They're going to have to schedule somebody else in that slot, and I believe that's going to be. It's understandable coming that way, just like there's some shows uh, or some fairs that have actually used different carnivals uh, last year, uh, Lubbock, Texas. That has been right. offers played that uh, since my years. And last year they had a group. They had everybody from, I think, uh, Kamek sent in equipment. The I don't remember all the others. Uh, Alan Cockerham, some of those guys. They made it work. They made the fair happen. Even yeah. though the carnival couldn't make it, you know, to their fair, they were able to still put it together and make it happen. There's some carnivals doing some teamwork to make things happen. I was just part of that. We just are my opening fair for 2021 was actually the Four States Fair in Texarkana, Arkansas. Now, that fair is held by Jason Wagner with Wagner's Carnival, another mm-hmm. friend of mine. And we went in together to put the fair on to make it happen. That's what it took to make it happen in 2021 you know one of the things is really the biggest thing we're all facing right now I think that's going to make some more carnivals work together in the early stages is the labor shortages that everybody's having right now
0: yeah we've talked a lot on the show about h2b in the program that you know when we spoke with debbie powers you know she said um and I'd have to go listen to the exact the episode to get the quote exact but so I'm paraphrasing here but basically you know they've put every fair they go to they put ads and papers for local help and in all these years, like the last five years, they've had like one person locally, like that, that applied people. This is not a stealing American jobs thing. These people, Americans just don't want to go travel with the carnival. And so H2B really means is a big deal to this industry.
1: It's going to be, it's for this year, if changes are not made, it's going to be catastrophic for some carnivals. Now I do understand that Uh, Just on Tuesday, I believe it was, uh, the president did release an additional 22,000 on cap relief, but there's a capability of 66,000. You know, uh, they need to get these guys cut loose, let these carnivals get their help. Myself, I normally don't have a lot of, even I don't normally hire extra help very often, even for teardown. I carry a full crew to do everything with. And right now, it is a struggle to keep enough manpower. And not just to keep enough manpower to keep enough quality manpower sure. to make everything happen.
0: Sure. Well, and you gotta wonder when you know some of these H2B programs. It, you know, it's one thing if an H2B person is coming out of Mexico because they can get here. What if they're coming from you know, I don't know, somewhere else in South America or South Africa or wherever they they come from? And what if there are travel restrictions because of COVID? You know, we've still got. Travel restrictions to to and from Canada and whatnot, and that that's a big monkey wrench in this whole thing. Forget the H two B visas; even if you could get the visa, can you get them here?
1: That you're correct. That is a challenge right now. We we normally use the workers coming out of Mexico, but there are shows that are using you know the South Africans and uh, and other areas that they're coming from, the Russians, uh, things like that, and they're not. There, there's no way. There, we're not going to be able to get them here in the amount of time. By the time these restrictions are lifted on the travel bans, it will be too late. Yeah. The, the damage will be done at that point.
0: Yep, and it's you know, it's not a, it's not a cheap proposition for you guys. I know in speaking, you know, with Jay Straits and and Debbie uh, from Powers that the H two B. It's not like you're just hiring somebody from you know, you know, minimum wage or or ten or twelve bucks an hour or whatever, and and that's it the paperwork that you have to go through and the fees that you have to pay in order to be able to get these visas is ridiculous.
1: I don't believe that there's a show owner in the country that would not rather have a full American workforce if they could do it. The problem we're facing are are facing is right now the Americans that we get are just they don't want to work That's, that's our problem. And um, I'm sure I'll get slammed on this by somebody, but our government is our issue. Too many things are free and that nobody wants to work for the money anymore because they can get these handouts everywhere you turn around.
0: Well, and I think there's just a general work ethic that's not taught anymore. You know, my sister's been in retail management. She started in retail here in Albuquerque when she was 15 or 16 years old working at uh walmart or something like that years ago and she's been in retail management now for the the better part of the last 30 years and she struggles with the same thing here in albuquerque you know um i don't know that folks necessarily get it they raised the minimum wage here a while back like by a dollar an hour or something like that and all these these kids that were working for were so excited, so oh, I'm gonna make more money. And then they got their first check with their new pay. And they actually made, you know, twenty-four dollars or thirty-five dollars less on that check. And they're like, wait, why is that? Well, because instead of giving you twenty-nine hours now, I can only give you twenty-three hours. And that they don't correct. they're not they're not connecting the dots on that. So it, it's the the you know, getting employees and and getting labor, I, I cannot imagine for for you guys. I know how hard it is for my sister to handle it. And she's got a, you know, a big box retail store that she's managing. That's in one spot. I can't imagine you guys having to do it when you're I mean, how do you look at somebody and go, uh, so here's the deal. You're going to run these rides and then we're going to tear them down. And then we're going to drive to the next city. And we're going to set them up and you're going to live on the road and you're going to live in this bunk house. And that's not appealing to a lot of people life. Now, I mean, you know, for a lot of us life on the road, that's what we do. We love it. Uh, but it's definitely I can see where it's a, it's a challenge for you guys, and I think if the HDB program needs to be expanded to make it happen, then let's do that.
1: If this business was easy, everyone would be doing it. But you do <laughs> have to the love truth. the carnival business. Uh, That's the truth. You got to love it for multiple reasons. You got to love it to be able to endure it and not give up on it. Because yep. to, with what some of the curveballs that 2020 threw at us, I, I'm surprised that there were not more people. To throw in the towel and say that's it i'm done
0: let's talk about 2020 here real briefly okay. um when houston canceled that as we've talked about i think on darn near every episode of the podcast that was march 11th i think it was the eye opener that everybody went "Ooh, this could be serious um i'm curious what was going through your head when you first heard that houston was canceling
1: well I knew for a major affair to cancel like that, that there was probably going to be a domino effect with it. But we've never endured anything like this in our end, at least not that I'm aware of. We, you know, we've never hit this. We've had wars. We've had to deal with, you know, uh, I mean, all of the older generations before me with, you know, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, all of this. The current wars don't seem to have an effect on us like those did in the day. Right, but you know that the the like I said, the people from the carnival industry in the early years they had that challenge. When this hit, I don't believe that our era knew what to expect. And there are some extremely educated individuals in the carnival industry, in the fair industry, as a whole. So the things that I started looking at was well, how long is this thing going to hold? And some of the surprises that sort of came up, I had just the day before things canceled in Houston, I had just had my local fuel dealer drive a truck. in, spent two days fueling all of my trucks at my shop. So everything was going to leave with full tanks. Well, here's generators sitting full. Here's trucks sitting full. Uh, everybody spends money going through uh, tires and making sure everything's ready to hit the road and, you know, for a fresh season. Well, you start wondering, I just spent a lot of money doing all this. How soon am I going to get reopened? And I believe most carnivals thought it was going to last for a few weeks, maybe a month, and it was going to start clearing up. But it became evident very rapidly when, as I said, the, the domino effect, the fair started falling quickly. And when the major fair, major fairs were, started canceling, it was it was no decision. I mean, the, the county fairs thought, well, this is this is what we've got to do, and then politics came into play and started closing the ones that wanted their. I had fairs that wanted to happen, yeah, that could not put them on in 2020 because different government restrictions wouldn't allow it. I worked for a good part of the summer of 2020, uh, early spring through the, through the early summer. With our, with Arkansas being my home state, that was where it really all started for me. Uh, I worked with our Department of Health and our Department of Ag to try to push through and get these, get carnivals open. I said this is not necessary, and so we got out. I actually did two events in 2020. I did one the first week of June, and the other one was the first week of July. Now that's a pretty big gap in between two fairs. And uh, the second one was actually just a fundraiser for a friend. So it was very evident early that this wasn't going to work. The states, like I said, Arkansas gave us the green light to have some events if they approved our plans and felt we were doing things safely enough. Right. But then all of a sudden it's, well, we only want you to set up eight rides, 10 rides, something like that. <laughs> Not enough to make money with. Right. So that was the re- we we decided early on. Uh, I do admire the carnival owners that did stick to it in 2020. That got out there and they got in most of their season. Now for the the majority of them, they felt like the, that spoke with me about it. They felt like they kind of spun their wheels. They got out there and worked for really for nothing. When it was all done It said, by the time they paid their bills, the grosses were down but their expenses were down as well because they didn't have as much equipment on the road. But it was definitely a challenge. And I mean, right now, we think we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, to quote Brian Blair, we just got to make sure it's not a train coming at us.
0: (laughs) You Uh, better believe it. (laughs) Because
1: we we are getting things going in 2021. I'm excited about that. The fairs that that we have been to already, uh, for example, the Four States Fair in Texarkana, Record attendance numbers, record ride gross numbers in there. Uh, we're very excited to see that. But is it going to hold? Because it's early on. And right now, looking at the numbers, one of the things a lot of our, our different states are looking at, the governors, are the vaccine rates. And yep. for the majority of the country right now, the, the numbers are for first vaccination is still in the 30s, but just right under 40%. Yeah. And the ones that have had the second vaccination is in the low twenty to twenty-five percent. Those numbers, I don't believe, are good enough for some states to work with.
0: I think you might be. I right. I believe
1: they're good enough for me, but I believe they're, we're going <laughs> to Yeah, they're 200. good enough.
0: They're good enough <laughs> for all of us. I'll, yeah. I'll take that. I mean, I know I just came from. Uh, I was down in Florida helping a friend at the Clay County Fair uh, down there in Green Coast Springs, and and <clears throat> Pasha did an incredible job. Uh, That great signage, you know, hand washing station, hand sanitizer everywhere. There's still a point where, like you said, in order to get the permit, even approved to have the event, somebody way above a fair manager has got to make that call. And when you have politicians making calls like that, they're doing it based on their political life and and not any I don't think they do it on any real science at this point. Um, I think we've proven we can open. We can open safely um, if we got to wear masks. Whatever we wear masks, but I don't know that the industry, for us, whether entertainers, concessionaires, ride operators, we can't handle twenty one looking like twenty. It's, or it's going to be bad news for a lot of people.
1: That's that's a very good statement. And you know the thing is, what changes are going to be made? What are we going to have to do? It's going to vary. For, for carnivals that operate just within one state or two states, they will be able to adapt to those changes easier than the carnivals that travel, you know, much larger routes. Yep. You know, the ones that the, the name and the, the, the wage shows, the things like that, the route offers, they put on a lot of miles. And so to, you think you've got everything understood. Here's what we've got to do. And then the, the next week, the rules change. And I think that's it. I, I'm One of my concerns is I'm hopeful that we're not going to be held to limitations on our capacities at our fairs. Because we, we know in, in our industry, we've done it, uh, car owners have done it for enough years. We know what our hourly capacity is going into a fair. Yep. We can juggle a few rides and put in something with higher hourly capacity. To maybe make up a little bit of where our losses may be, sure. but we, we can't, we can't make up for all of it unless we either have more hours or the crowds are bigger during those slow times to help make up for it. Other than that, what's, what's our choices? Well, you guys,
0: candy. you guys know, just like the fair knows where your break-even point is on attendance overall. You know, is that what you know, sixty-five percent of of normal attendance? Is it eighty percent of normal? I can you know, I I had fairs cancel me last year that said, you know, one of them said we can open that the state of lettuce open, but they were modeling being down, you know, forty to forty-five percent on attendance at that point, and they were gonna get creamed if they did that.
1: And the contracts, not all contracts are structured for that. Some some contracts, and I'm I'm not bashing the fair industry. Um, i believe from what i've seen most of the fairs have really they've really twisted themselves to work with their carnivals to make things happen from date changes to allowing them to bring in a little bit less equipment or more equipment whatever the needs may be to meet the demands yeah. but it's it's we again we're going to have a challenge if if a fair is going to be restricted we need to know going into it How are we going to battle it? The fair and the carnival need to have a plan to say, well, we know we're only going to do 75% of whatever our best year was. If we know that going in, for example, let's adjust to it. Let's make sure that the fairs and the carnivals work together to find how how to find that middle ground where we're both successful.
0: Sure. Well, and at the end of the day, you know, if you get... Um, one fair on your route says, you know, if the fourth fair on your route says, oh yeah, we're good. We're open. We need it. We're at hundred percent of capacity, bring everything in. But then, you know, the two fares prior to that say, you know, you normally have 55 rides week because we have to spread things out. We can only have 32 rides. Well, What do you do with the other rides? You still got to drive them down the road in order to get them to the next place. Depending on where that route goes, you still got to spend the fuel money. And if a ride's parked, it's not making any money for you. If it's sitting in a, in a parking lot.
1: That's exactly right. Our expenses are still there. We know our payroll expenses are not going to change. Yep. Trucking expenses can have a moderate change based on, we may not, you know, you may have to drive that, those rides that are not used further. You may take them out a route. They might actually fit more into your routes. You might not have to truck them as far, but overall, I believe most of it is going to be uh, on, on definitely a negative when that, when those types of situations come about.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, listening to when I've spoken with the guys who are the ride operators in this industry, I'm really glad I'm just an entertainer that can throw my show in the back of an F-150 because <laughs> the logistics you guys have to go through to make these things happen, forget the logistics of actually getting it on site and getting everything placed and set up. The logistics of getting it there and then getting it to the next place is mind boggling to me.
1: There's a reason I've got all this gray hair.
0: <laughs> yes you're that, talking that, to a guy who does not have any hair so
1: <laughs> i didn't know if that was your choice for not showing your true colors or what that was
0: oh no but, that was that's uh, no it's not by i mean it's by choice now i i keep it shaved but yeah it wasn't uh it wasn't a, a by choice thing listen um you know when you look when you're approaching 2021 all these fairs i've got to give plans and for the most part to their county health or their state health department or their governors whatnot part of that plan needs to be mitigation strategies to make things COVID safe. What are you guys on the carnival side doing to help make ensure your rides are, are staying clean?
1: Well, we've prepared for 2021, or sorry for 2020. I know that's still a dirty word for us, but we prepared for it like most carnivals with loading down on lots of masks, the sanitizing, the big uh, fogging guns, things like that, and all the chemicals to clean the rides Uh, Hand sanitizers. I built a massive amount of touch-free hand sanitizer stations. I will tell you that when we went to the Four States Fair in Texarkana, I only seen one of them being used. Mm. On 11 days of fair, I seen one lady using one. They never had to be refilled. Most people are just, I think they're ready for life to get back as normal, but we have to still be prepared for 2021 to have all of those items with us because I may right now things in Arkansas currently where I am just seem to be operating life as normal. But when I leave and go to Kentucky in a month and a half, Things may change drastically. The health department may come forward and say, no, we want screens at all these windows. We want, you know, all of your people in rubber gloves and masks. We don't know. You know, the mask mandate is ending in so many places. There's very few that still have it. But we are still seeing people come out at opening time today. I've seen a handful of people already arrived on the midway that were wearing masks. Yeah. But for the majority of them, I'm going to say right now in Arkansas, we're going to see less than, right now, less than 10% of the people are wearing masks. That's, that's whether it, local businesses or at the carnival.
0: That's what it looked like at Clay County. It was interesting because I did two fairs down there in Florida that I helped a buddy with and uh, Okeechobee's down in the South Central part of the state. And I bet you probably saw in any given time, 40 to 60% of people wearing masks. And then when you got into the, the more red part of Florida up North outside of Jacksonville, it was maybe 10%.
1: I've seen some pictures from Green Cove Springs, and it was really surprising to me. I mean, again, you can look through the crowd and you can see some, but overall, I think everybody is ready to get back to normal. And I believe that's going to tell the tale for a lot of our industry this year. I believe that the carnival and fair industry stand to have a possibly a record year. If we're not held to Capacity guidelines and things like that. We should be able to have a record year. A lot of that will depend on the stimulus money, how long it's there. But I'm looking at the stimulus money as, just like they're calling it, it's bonus money. I believe even without the stimulus money, we're going to be seeing record crowds because people don't want to, they don't want to sit in their houses any longer. They've done it for too long. For me, I was, other than those two fairs in 2020, I was off for 15 months. That's a lot of time. I love working in my shop, but you can get tired of working in your own shop after 15 months.
0: You love getting out on the road and actually uh, making, making money and and making a career of it. That's, that's where I'm at. I I'm so glad I get to open next week in Arizona and, you know, climb back in my silly fortune machine and, and do our game exhibit and, back out and you know doing what i do it's it's time i think we need to get open i knew once once california finally let up and said disneyland could open and i understand there's capacity big time capacity limits on that but that might have been the uh um you know the the weakness in in california's little suit of armor that allows things to finally open and and april 30th here disneyland's gonna open and we're gonna see what happens Uh, you know from people I talked to in California, they're kind of holding their collective breath. What's going to happen with Disneyland? And I'm like, the same thing that happened with Disney World. Not a thing. They're going to be fine.
1: I can see that. And the the one challenge that I believe the parks are going to face as well as uh, the carnivals. I mean, we're, we're all in this together. But uh, I, I just recently listened to your podcast with Cindy Hoyt. Yeah. And I really enjoyed listening to her. The one of her quotes she, she referred to was our window that we have. And we have a smaller window. Even though fairs are opening this year, we didn't really open in early February, late January and February, like so many fairs do. We're really just now starting to get rolling here in mid to late April, so yep. many fairs. And so, with that smaller window, it will make it difficult. For carnivals, fairs, the parks, and all of them, to reach what you know what what they expect to do for the year. Yep. That's going to be the challenge.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know Jerry Hammer when they they had to cancel Minnesota last year said at the best that they ran flat out they ran out of runway, regardless of what the virus was going to do, and we're already seeing that you know Ohio State Fair um, canceled recently they're not till july but you know these larger fairs really are kind of in a at a 90 to 100 day window before they have to give a thumbs up or thumbs down and you know we're sitting here at the end of april this will be the beginning of may right um or right at the end of april when this this airs a lot of these fairs are inside or right on that 90 day window now where they've got to make a decision
1: i did i was just reading and and Studying up on how Wisconsin and Minnesota were still—they're planning on having their fairs, yep. but it's not a hundred percent just yet. Yep. Uh, that's my understanding as of right now. As, I guess as of this area right now. But I do appreciate the fact that Cindy, uh, hers, she said we're going for it. I yes. love that. Brian Blair She's said good. that if they—if he's—they're going to close him, they better carry him off in handcuffs.
0: Yep. That's, <laughs> that's Brian for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the attitude that our fair managers, our true fair managers have, as well as the carnival owners. Uh, I made a comment. I came in in the middle of 2020, and I walked in Walked in and told my wife, she said, why the long face? I said, well, I think I just did everything short of threatening one of our state directors. And <laughs> by the time, my son said, no, dad, you did threaten me. <laughs> and the thing is, it's why, how are they deciding? I, I don't, I don't understand their theory for What is an essential business? Yeah, carnivals are an essential business. Fairs are essential for people to be there. They're as essential as many of these businesses that were allowed to stay open.
0: Yep. I feel we were. It feels like it feels like for a year we've been told that this virus is, you know, it it knows that um you'll be safe at the bar as long as the bar closes by like eight p.m. After eight p.m., my God, you might get sick. You know you'll be safe at Walmart because the virus knows when when to go into Walmart and when not to go into Walmart. Apparently, but by God, you cannot go to a carnival because the virus loves carnivals and will kill everybody. The messaging and that and I understand. I'm empathetic that that for so the CDC and as they were the scientists were studying this things they were learning new things about this virus and things were changing. It's still there's a point where it's like, wash your hands eat healthy, you know, when they, they talk about who this virus is killing, we know who this virus is killing. It's a fairly specific group that it's, it's really wreaking havoc on. And yet, I don't remember one time Anthony Fauci getting up on TV and saying, you know, might be helpful if, if everybody in America ate healthy and lost 20 pounds. Because if you're, if you're overweight, if you're obese, if you're not eating healthy, if you've got other, you know, um, pre-existing conditions, you're at risk. You're at real risk. But no, he's like, just shut it all down. Wear a mask. In fact, don't wear a mask. Actually, yes, wear a mask. Now wear two masks. (laughs) no wonder people are frustrated. We can't get a straight answer out of our government.
1: And we just got, I see where there was just an interview days ago where they ask, you know, when, where do we draw the line? When is this going to end? At what numbers do we need to hit? The man that should know can't answer the questions for us. And that's what's scary to our industry the people that we need answers from. I spoke with one of my Kentucky county fairs today. They've been calling the state. They've called the governor's office, the Department of Health, everybody. Nobody can tell them that they cannot have their fair, but they're also not getting anybody telling them, oh, you're good. Here's, have your fair. Here's all you need to do.
0: It's very uncomfortable limbo then.
1: That's a, that's a very good way of putting it. Yes. No. Nobody wants to be the one held accountable for the statement of, while they were closed. Right. And I do understand this was a early on. I didn't really get a grasp on it because I was not as familiar. I knew very few people that had it in the early days, but as the late summer came along, it did hit more, clo- I guess, closer to home for me. And there was a lot of people, good friends, uh, classmates that I graduated with that came down with it and battled with it. And so it, it, you, at that point, we realized, yes, here is how deadly it can be. But we've had these deadly diseases. I mean, the flu kills how many people a year? Yep,
0: 50, and we've 60, heard nothing 000, about Typically, it.
1: mm-hmm. it's been very quiet on the front on the front right now discussing flu because it's all COVID related. Yeah. And like I said, people we're tired of it. I, I watch the news and the weather every day, and I hit a certain point in 2020 where I said, I'm done. I don't want to look at my TV because you either, you're either being told false information uh, or you're told one thing and then 30 minutes later somebody comes on tells you something different.
0: Yeah. I we think that's the, I leadership. think that's the struggle. I think if we, they, I, th- I feel like we had a grasp on what needed to be done fairly early. And by that, I mean a few by this, by summertime, midsummer last year, we knew what needed to be done in order to protect people. And it felt like even after that, the guidelines consistently changed. Had they just stuck with, listen, we're going to stay locked down or we're going to do A or B or C or whatever it is and wear your mask and wash your hands, and this is how it's going to go. I think people would feel differently about it, but I think what really grinded so many people was that one day it was one thing, the next day it was another. Weeks later, yeah, I guess the CDC finally released a report the other day where they acknowledged that, you know, actually outdoor you know, gathering outdoors is probably fine. I and mean, we've kind of knew that since last summer. Well, now that's coming out. Well, How am I supposed to trust the CDC? You know, people would say to me, well, you got to trust Fauci. He's the expert. Okay. Well, Fauci went on television and said, no, no, you don't need to wear a mask. Cause then you're going to fiddle with your face and you're more likely to get, get sick. You know? And then like two weeks later, it was like, no, you absolutely need to wear a mask. And then I've had people say, well, he did that. Because he wanted to preserve as much as the PPE supply for essential first responders, for doctors, nurses, medical people, as possible. I said, okay, so you're telling me he lied in order to manipulate the American public. So why do I trust him?
1: Absolutely. We need answers. We need to know who's going to be the one to give us to answer our questions and not pass the buck on to somebody else. Let's get... If, if we're going to have a director or somebody like Fauci, if he's going to be the man to make the – if he's going to be the one telling us what we got to do, then he, that's what he needs to do. Need we need to know we can trust him yeah. and that what he says, that's what we've got to go with. Now, he will make a statement, and then the, the political side of it then will jump in and go, well – he sort of spoke out of turn. He shouldn't have told us that. Or yeah, you notice when he says if, something else,
0: he says if he says something that actually goes against the, uh, you know, the official story. And then the media all of a sudden has to reel him in. And it's like, you know, if, it's just it's the frustration for the American people is that we don't know who to trust. We, nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to kill grandma and grandpa. Nobody. We don't want a half a million dead Americans. Nobody wants that.
1: Mm-hmm
0: but in order to avoid that in order to avoid more people dying we got to be able to trust the government and right now i you know i don't i i i,
1: I look guess. at it the the covid during 2020 much like when we do during the summer interviews with the local media at fairs they want to ask about safety there's yeah. not a carnival owner out there that wants to have an accident of course we're not, we do not. We want to we want to stay away from those things. We want it we want a perfect environment. We don't want to see people come out to the fair and there'd be some sort of outbreak that shuts us down. Right. And that was a concern in 2020. Sure. What if we got open and all of a sudden somebody says, I come down with COVID and I caught it at this event. Now here's here's your carnival closed and anybody that went to the fair, all of our employees, we could be grounded or, you know. Uh, quarantined on a fairgrounds for a significant amount of time.
0: Yeah. The ripple effect is significant. It's a very, it's a very frustrating situation. I feel like though, we are starting to turn that corner. We're starting to see some, you know, we're starting to see movement. That's a good thing. Being down in Clay County was absolutely amazing to see that Ferris wheel it up and, and see people out and and families having a good time. I've watched the cases um, in Clay County and Duval County, which is where Jacksonville is. They were up a little bit, but nothing significant, you know, for, for all the media going, Oh, super spreader thousands will die. It's like they, their rolling day average of cases went, I think went up from what I was seeing just a little bit ago on Google by like 12 cases additional a day or 20 additional cases a day from the (laughs) sounds of what what the media was telling us thousands and thousands were going to die. If we had these events and we're just, it's, it's not going to happen. It's not, we're not seeing it.
1: That's exactly right. Because one of the big factors is all along, they said outdoors is good. That was the one statement. If you were outdoors, that was better than being in an enclosed environment. I was asked to do a roundtable discussion at the Missouri Fair Association meeting in uh, Lake Ozark, Missouri, back in January. I prepared everything for my discussion. And the night, well, sorry, the day before I was supposed to go in, the CDC changed all the guidelines. <laughs> so I had to go back to the room and scramble and mm. update all my notes and tell everybody. make to, your to, whole
0: presentation.
1: That's it. I ruined everything. Well, 90% of it. And because that's what they did, they threw everything out and start over, but they went back to what we've known all along outside is better. If you're spaced right. out, it's better. Uh, I don't want to come down on the sporting events, but yes, there's a big difference in, in riding a ride with 40 people on it versus sitting in the stands at a football game, shoulder to shoulder with a lot of people. Well,
0: and that's why, that's why Paul Davis and the strawberry festival made the decision they did. They just rebuilt that amphitheater and renovated the thing and opened it like a year or two ago. They need, they need concerts in there to make sure that thing gets paid for, for sure. And they made the decisions that, Hey, we're going to open, we're going to recommend people are wearing masks. We're not doing our grandstand events because it's like you say, one thing to be on the ferris wheel you're outside there's a breeze the chances of you getting covid are very remote but if you're sitting inside at a you know a carrie underwood concert or toby keith's playing and you got seven thousand people all screaming the song around you that that becomes a high risk area so i get when ferris say we're not going to do that that real tight groups you know concerts and things like that we're going to hold off on that great But you can still get that carnival open. You can still have your entertainers out there on the grounds. You can still have your livestock shows and have a successful event. And our fair, our fairs know that. I just wish our governments would know that too.
1: That was our biggest obstacle that our industry faced was yep. our government in 2020.
0: Isn't and it always? Believe,
1: <laughs> well, yes, it is. Uh, but I was happy to see <laughs> the interaction. You know, I would, I would speak with Marla Calico, and she would tell me, she's like here is the, our latest, you know, reports coming in and here's what's going on with all these other fairs, but we need to call, you know, Congress. We need to talk to them about what's going on. We need to, the, all the different states. Yeah. And I tell you, she's doing an unbelievable job trying to, for, for the kind of year she was dealt to try to keep everything together and, and work with all the fairs, get them the proper information of who their different legislators were, and what they needed to speak with them about.
0: For sure. Marla did amazing. We're is. gonna have to
1: maintain that mentality yep. from here out. We she's need just our
0: had this thing on lockdown from the beginning. I, I shouldn't say that's like a bad word to use lockdown, but she's really <laughs> the work that she's done when we inter- when I interviewed her, the the subscription she has to different medical journals. I mean, she is in there scouring over every inch of it, trying to get the most up-to-date and accurate information out to the industry. Um, just done, she's done an amazing job. And I think, uh, we're, we're lucky that she's at the helm of, of the industry right now. Listen, I really appreciate your time. We're just about out of it. Um, actually before you go, everybody who comes on the show goes through a little speed round series of questions. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions. Okay. You give me your best answer for each. Are you ready? I'll
1: do my best for you.
0: (laughs) Question number one, favorite ride on your midway.
1: Has to still be the merry-go-round. Perfect. I've just been a Carousel fan my whole life.
0: Which fair food do you enjoy most?
1: i have try to stay away from most fair foods. I know I shouldn't <laughs> be the one, but growing up with this in this industry, it's, you know, Mom, I'm hungry. Here, have a corn dog. That's what I grew up with. Uh, I will say probably today would be, i guess still got to be a popcorn or a funnel cake type guy. Probably funnel cakes.
0: Perfect. Best concert you've ever attended?
1: Bob Seger.
0: iPhone or Android?
1: iPhone all the way.
0: You can have dinner with one celebrity. Who would it be?
1: Oh, boy, you're making it tough on me there. I might have to go uh, I might have to go sweetheart wise I know my wife's gonna end up listening to this but I'm gonna say somebody like uh, Angelina Jolie or somebody like that oh there because you go I'm real interested in like this work they do over like adopting these kids and how she does so much work at um, the effort that she puts forth outside of her career yeah I think that's very important
0: yeah she's got a real humanitarian a little bit like Bono, a little real humanitarian street going on there i think that to yes. me is i think that's fascinating uh, part of her uh last question you can be a guest star on any television show past or present which show would you want to be a guest star on
1: yellowstone <clears throat>
0: excuse me yellowstone fantastic Freddie. where can folks learn more about miller's spectacular shows
1: Well, uh, hopefully there'll be plenty to read about us in the future. All good, we hope. But uh, our website, we've got a brand new website being built right now. Should be up any day. And you can visit us at uh, MillerCarnival.com.
0: MillerCarnival.com. Freddie Miller, Miller Spectacular Shows. Really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a
0: production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.